When does a joke become a dad joke? When it becomes a parent. So, do you want to hear a joke about paper? Ah, never mind. It's terrible. Terrible? Oh, all right, all right, all right. Some of you are a little slower. <clears throat> you know, I recently won an award for being the most secretive person at my place of employment. I can't tell you how much that meant to me. <laughs> You know, I'm nervous a little bit for those flat, flat earthers amongst us, you know, because of these social distancing demands recently that really could push them over the edge. <laughs> you know, Bob Roberts, y'all know the, the local undertaker? You know, he tried to sell me a coffin recently. I laughed at him. I said, you know, that's the last thing I'll need. <laughs> Some of you have got to see me grow up, I guess, a little bit. Um, I've been here going on 13 years now. Some of you have been here with me for that journey. Um, some of you that don't, don't know me very well. Um, but I guess, I, I, so in respect of that, if you'll allow me a few minutes of your time, let me just introduce you, to, let me introduce myself to you. Um, I was actually born here in Guymon in May of 1968. So I don't know how many of y'all were born in Guymon, but I'm literally a local. Now, that didn't mean I lived here, but I was born in Guymon. So today, or right now, I'm 54 years old. Um, I grew up on a ranch. My parents um, uh, have a place, have a place, they had a place uh, there in the northeastern corner of New Mexico, just west of Kenton. Y'all are familiar, if you drive west for, far enough, you go past Boy City, and you actually think that you might be a flat earther. I mean, you're like fixing to fall off the edge of the earth when you see those canyons and everything. That's, that's where I grew up, west of Kenton. You go past Kenton into New Mexico, another about 20 miles. That's, that's where I grew up. I grew up uh, on a ranch. My dad uh, raised cattle, and uh, that's what I got to do for the first years of my life. Um, it's two hours west of here, and um, you know I actually uh, was not planning to uh, to be a to be a rancher, but uh, the Lord had different plans for me a little bit. So you actually, uh, y'all know I am married to uh, Pastor Margaret and Pastor Charlie's daughter Kim. Um, that's my association or my connection in a sense. But if you don't, I don't know if you knew this, but I actually dated Kim when she was eleven and I was twelve. It lasted about a day and a half, if you remember those 11 and 12-year-old dating scenes, uh, when uh, we were at a family camp at Camp Billy Joe there at Kenton. And uh, I think through a mutual friend, uh, I requested the, off the, uh, the privilege to date her, and through that same mutual friend, she accepted. And then through that same mutual friend, a couple of days later, uh, we actually broke up. So... <laughs> I don't remember a lot about it, but there was, uh, uh, I actually, she had to remind me. Uh, I, I graduated high school in 1986, attended uh, college at New Mexico State University in Las Cruces, New Mexico for three years. Uh, it was at the end of 1989 when I finally decided to stop ignoring God, and uh, I just wanted, I came home. 
I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised in a home that was be- becoming, they were learning to become mature in their walk too. And so uh, we all kind of grew up together in, in the Christian faith. You know, they were, my parents were older, obviously, and I was coming along as a youngster and, um, you know, being in, 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 a, in, a, in an environment that I saw, you know, the, the world and such, that I, I, I pursued that for a short time, but I was quick to realize that there was no future in that. There was no hope. There was no future, I guess, for lack of a better word, in pursuing my own way. So in, in, after three years of college, at the end of uh, 1989, May of 1989, I moved back home. I committed my life to the Lord. I just said, you know, I'm, 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 I'm finished doing my own thing, and I'm ready, God, to whatever, whatever it is that you have for me. And um, it was the end of May in 1989, and my mom mentioned to me that there is a special speaker over at Victory Center uh, in Guyman. This special speaker's name was Billy Brim, and uh, I think at the time she was, spoke a lot on end times, and uh, that was my mom was kind of into that right at that point. And as a 21, 20, 21 year old, I, you know, I was just like, I'm not, not really interested, but, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I, I said, okay, fine, I'll go along. And um, I walked in and sat down to hear Billy Brim. And there was, uh, I noticed across this room this uh, glowing picture of beauty. And um, to say the least, I was the most faithful attendee at Billy Brim's meetings for the remainder of her time here. You know how back in those days, you know, there was about, it was about a week long, wasn't it? I mean, or it was several days. It was three or four days. Whatever the duration was, she spoke every evening, and uh, I was there every single evening. I couldn't tell you a thing she said. I have no idea. I have no idea what she said, um, but, uh, and I'm pretty sure she was the speaker throughout, but that, that could be debatable. So by July, we were engaged, and by, by December, we were married. And it was not a shotgun marriage. It was a, it was, it was a God thing. It was a, I love you, and I see you as the person for me, and she felt the same about me, and so we didn't waste any time. We were married um, in uh, December of 1989. So I would tell you this about the process of asking Pastor Charlie for her hand in marriage was a little bit nerve-wracking, and all I can remember him saying was, yeah, she's pretty low-maintenance. She could probably live anywhere. That was his response. And, uh, and so... Uh, and that was prophetic because she certainly did. We uh, were married in December. At the end of that school term, I was attending OPSU at the time. Uh, I think it was called PSU in 1989 or 90. And um, at the end of that school term in May of 90, we, uh, I picked her up and I moved her two hours west of here, set her down on that ranch, and uh, we, 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 we started on the process of living uh, the ranching life. And uh, I had no idea until later years that it takes a special, special lady to be able to live out in the middle of nowhere um, with, with, and, and, and do it well. Um, because there's a lot of folks that, 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 that can't do that. 
but she did it. And, uh, but to say the least, uh, we started um, the process of repopulating the earth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, uh, at Pastor Charlie's funeral, um, some, um, one of the speakers, I think it was Wes Oakley, um, made mention that since we had five, five boys, and, and um, he said, man, Eugene, you must really like Kim. But let me tell you, I think it's the other way around. Kim really likes me. Uh, that's just a joke, probably not so much. But uh, we started having children, and by the you know in, in the 20 years that we lived on the ranch, we had the five boys. Uh, many of the, you, them who you know here, and uh, CE and Zach, who who lives in Edmond, and Ezekiel, who's here, and and uh, Justin, in Edmond or in uh, Tulsa, Broken Arrow area, and then Matthew, of course, who plays the drums. So those are my five biologicals, and then we have a blessing of a young lady who came into our lives uh, in 2014, Angel. Um, so we, she is, in all senses, our daughter, and uh, we're very proud. I'm all very, very proud of all six of our children. Um, we got in, while we're living on the ranch, and during that 20 years, having five boys, we got involved in home education. Uh, if, you re- if you can imagine living out that far from anywhere, it was, uh, it was 60 miles one way uh, to the nearest schoolhouse. And so uh, I did it when I was a boy, didn't know any better. Um, but it, you know, I got on the bus before 5 o'clock, and, uh, or it was before 6 o'clock, and got home after 5 o'clock every day. Um, and so it was, a long, it was a long process. So when I got, we got a preschooler, kindergartner, of course, we were looking at, for, we were looking at, at I mean, an option was presented to us, and uh, we followed it. We took that step, and then we just continued to take that step throughout the rest of our lives, and saw that it was a good fit for us. And so uh, we got involved in home education, and we actually were uh, asked to serve on the New Mexico Christian Association of Parent Educators, which is a state board, uh, a home educator board there in New Mexico. We were responsible for um, 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 basically overseeing the, uh, the, the Christian home education um, aspect of, uh, in New Mexico. And it was a very fulfilling uh, role that we filled for several years, eight years, I believe, total. Our kids got to experience things that they wouldn't get to otherwise. So I buried uh, my mother in 1996, and then I buried my father in 2005. So during that 20 years that I lived on the ranch, both of my parents passed away. And it was after my dad's passing that I really felt like something, something shifted in me, something changed, something was different in my heart. Um, I don't begrudge anybody the role of taking uh, being, of animal husbandry, farming, ranching, agriculture is a very noble career. It just wasn't what I felt like was the future, the destiny, the purpose for me. Now I was there, I served a purpose, I took care of my parents. They were older. My dad was 33 when he, he married my mother who was 19. Actually, she had just turned 20. And so, and then I was born... Um, um, Many years later, I think my dad was 48 when I was born, something like that. So they were, they were older parents, and so I, I, something shifted when they passed, and I said, okay, God, what is it? And it was about that time we were attending church here at Victory Center, um, making the drive two hours every Sunday, because it was what we, it's what we had to do. It was the right thing in the moment, and... Um, 
I just felt like sitting there right there in one of those chairs where you all are sitting. I just felt like God dropped something into my heart and says, I, I want you here. It might have been the day Pastor Charlie was talking. This would have been back in 2007, 8, 6, 7, 8, somewhere in there. And he was talking about building a new church. And I just felt like God said to me, I want you to be a part of that. Of that. And it was then that I began to talk to Pastor Charlie about, about that subject and um, just events transpired and really for me to tell you that, that I had a, uh, an idea and I chased that idea and uh, it, it, was, it was not. It was just me living my life every day. Being the best, doing the best I could to hear his voice and be led by the Lord and, and respond to him and do what I need to do. And I can look back now and I can see how that God was so instrumental in directing us as a family, bringing us through uh, the decisions we had to make, through the, um, the, um, the, the, the natural uh, processes of uh, finding a leaser for the ranch and um, sold a little piece of ground and was able to make a down payment on a house over here and just really can see God in, in that whole process. And so he planted me um, here in uh, the... We actually moved in December of 2009. I started to work on staff at Victory Center in December of 2010. And I came here with no agenda. I did not come here, and I felt like God put it in my heart. He said, I want you to go, and I want you to serve in that place. In whatever way, shape, or form that looks like. And so I came with no agenda. I wasn't seeking a position. I wasn't seeking a platform. I wasn't seeking a title. I was just here to serve at the pleasure of God first and Pastor Charlie, who was the set man in this place. And for 12 years, I, I did that. I served. I served him. So today is my, really my first opportunity that I have to thank you all for embracing me, or let me put it this way, for, for the process of embracing me in the role that, that we've found ourselves in. I guess, in the season that we found ourselves in now, and embracing me to, to be the person that I never dreamed I would ever be. I never sought the role. I never uh, vied for the role. I never jockeyed for the role. Uh, and so um, I'm, I'm here because I'm here. I'm here because I'm willing to be obedient. So I'm, in, in a sense... As the, 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 the title that has been given to me as executive pastor, I don't even really know what that means. But in a broad sense, I'm responsible for the nuts and bolts and the day-to-day -day function and the operation of the church. Um, and when I said responsible, I take no credit. I take no credit because I serve alongside a group of people who are wonderful, who are 
amazing, who, who have embraced the role, who have embraced the mission of what Victory Center is. And together, together, we are moving into the season that God has for us. I'm so blessed, so blessed to work with a staff and with a group of volunteers here at Victory Center who, who, who really understand that, uh, that, that, that our purpose and our plan is, is bigger than each one, any one of us is, um, can, can feel. I cannot feel it. I cannot do it. There's, this is not a one man. This is not a one person. It's not a one woman. It's not a one uh, um, um, guy thing. You know, if you think that the captain is responsible for keeping the ship afloat, it's not. The captain is, is there to just provide the oversight and the leadership. It's the people who are doing the work of the ministry day in and day out. It is the folks who are involved um, with children's ministry. It is folks that are involved in ushering. It's the folks that are involved in, in um, the prayer team. It's the, it's the people on the cameras. It's the people who are um, managing uh, the, the, the different aspects of, of what it takes for, for Victory Center to be a success. And that, folks, is you. Those of you who are involved, who are, who are, who are working today, thank you so much for being there to, to fulfill that role. And for those of you who are, who are yet to get, to get plugged in, if I can use that word, plug in, that opportunity this, eve, this afternoon right after church with a meal and an opportunity to visit with some of our department leaders to find out how that you can be a part of what God is doing right here. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But what I'm bringing to the table, and this is, what, this is my commitment to you, I am committed to fulfilling the purpose and the vision given to Pastor Charlie and to Pastor Margaret for Victory Center some 44 years ago. I'm committed to that before you, before God, before my family, my church family. I promise to be faithful to Jesus. I promise to be faithful to seeking his will in each moment as it's presented to me. I'm, I'm not the visionary person who's able to say, okay, you know, this is, this is, this is what this needs to look like. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm capable and I'm, and I'm willing to be, to be, and to be, deli- to be, I'm willing to be obedient to him in what he's leading to me, me to do in the moment. And so that is my, that is my commitment to you. And I hope that, I hope that that's enough. That, that we can, you and I, we can go forward and continue doing what God has called us to do, functioning in the role that he's placed on each one of us. You see, I believe, I believe that Victory Center, I believe that the church as a whole is in the end times. Now, if you, if you read the scripture, so did those men and women who were responsible for writing much of the New Testament. They saw themselves as being in the end times. So it goes to, goes to reason that Victory Center, in this day and age that we're here right now, we are definitely in the end times. You spend much time looking at the news and you're looking at what's going on around us. There's even maybe some, some natural proof that we're moving. If we're not there, we're getting very, very close. Now, whether or not that means that you and I get to see the return of Christ in, in reality, in, 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 in our time frame, I'm not here to say that. 
I don't know. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen in 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 100 years. I don't, I don't even know. I'm not even going to pretend to tell you what I think that the end needs to look like. However, I know that Victory Center as a church, and that means you and I, folks, you and I, you and I are Victory Center. You and I are Victory Center. We have a job to do today. We have a, a purpose and a role to fulfill that He needs us to fulfill in this process. Whatever it is, whether it's tomorrow that He returns, which I probably not, but, but far be it for me to say, but maybe it's 10 years, maybe it's 20 years, 50 years, 100 years. I don't know. I don't, I don't have, we're wasting my breath even talking about it. But the purpose is, is that whatever it is that we need to do, we need to be faithful in fulfilling that role. We need to be faithful. We need to be diligent. We need to be committed. We need to be um, there to answer the call and to fulfill that role. John 14.12 basically says that most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me and the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. That leaves us with the impression that and, and the vision and the goal and the design that, that, that we are called to do something greater, something more. We need to press in and can find out how do I fulfill this role that I can live that reality and see that reality now in my life as an individual and as that, in our life as corporately as a church. Now we could camp out on that scripture for a long time because there's quite a bit that comes before that and there's quite a bit that comes after that. But that's not the, that's not the goal necessarily in this moment. But it basically, to live there, there's, there's a responsibility that's on us. We have to abide in him and he has to abide in us. But I, I, won't, I won't chase that rabbit right now. So it doesn't matter who you are, how long you've been here, if this is your first day, or perhaps you've been part of this fellowship for 44 years. You are here right now on purpose, for a reason. And God is wanting to connect with you in a way that He's able to shine His light through you, and He's able to shine His light to you, and He's able to do to, to make the effect that He needs to in this world. We are in the last days. I don't believe we can ever expect to see our version of normal again. Normal is not coming back. How is it they say? But Jesus is. Normal, we won't see the normal that we've, that we've been used to seeing. That's a sobering thought. I don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. But do you have it in you to stand the test of time, to stay in the race? Do we have it in us to fulfill that plan and that purpose? You know, the promises of the Bible are just as true as they were when Reagan was president. 
they apply in an environment that's, that, was, that, was, that, that is different, that is, that is not maybe typically favorable like, like we would want it, that you know, we have a tendency a little bit to have inward eyeballs and think it's all about us. And to think that, it, that, that my comfort, or the way that I want it, the way that I see it, the way I think it ought to be, is the, the way that it ought to be. And I, I don't see inward eyeballs as being, willing, as being able to respond to and hear and be, and be, 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 be led in the moment because... In this world, you will face tribulation. But Jesus said, I've come that I'm, and I've overcome the world. We've got to be connected with him. We've got to be hooked up with him. We've got to be being led by him. We have to be hearing his voice in that moment, every single day, allowing him to direct us. We have to connect with those rhythms of grace that Pastor Margaret talked about. We have to be in that place. And that place is not when we're seeking our own way, chasing our own, our own thoughts, our plans, our purposes. It is being connected with Him. You are valuable. You are needed. You are necessary. You're wanted. You are valued. You are an important part of what God has prepared to do through this church. We all have a part to play. And if you pull up 1 Corinthians, it says, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 18 through 20, it says, But God has carefully designed each member and placed it in the body to function as he desires. A diversity is required. For if the body consists of one single part, there wouldn't be any body at all. So now we see that there are many different parts and functions, but one body. If you don't hear much more about what I have to say, I need you to understand that the gifting and calling that God has put in you, specifically, is vital, is necessary for this body to function. For this body to be who it needs to be. Now, we can study, if you were taking much more time and you were studying that out, you would that, that same portion of Scripture talks about uh, the different parts and some being um, more, I don't know what the word is, um, desirable or favorable or, um, and, and, and less, and less, and less uh, favorable, but the honor and what honor is given. There, there, is, there is absolutely um, no, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want anybody to take even for a moment and think that what you have to bring is not important. What you have to contribute is not important. That's why we do something like plug-in. That's why we have the opportunity for us to visit about how that we can do a better job at working as a team, how that we can do a better job of, of coming alongside of one another and fulfilling the role and purpose that God has for this body. And so, so hear me say that. Hear me say that your you are valued. Your gift, what God put in you, has value, and, 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 and without it, we will not function as well as we need to. 
I said it before and I'll say it again. One, one person can't do this. Even a staff as committed and dedicated and, and, and capable as they all are, we can't do it all. We'll, we'll get burnt out, but together we can. And, it's, and, it will, and it will look, and it will be right, and it'll be good, and people will be helped. The ministry uh, that God has, what He's wanting to do in this community, in this state, and right here, uh, uh, even, even abroad, as we, as we support missionaries, those are all things that we all take a part in and, and are, are instrumental in seeing done. But there, I need you to come alongside me and do three things. So if you're, if you're a note taker, you can write down number one, number two, number three, and then we're going to fill those in. You're going to do three things for me. Number one is I please, 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 please do not give up. 1 Corinthians 15, 50, 58 out of the, trans, uh, the, out of the um, passion. So now, beloved ones, stand firm, stable, and enduring. Live your lives with an unshakable confidence. We know that we prosper and excel in every season by serving the Lord because we are assured that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive with fruit that endures. Galatians 6, 9 out of the message says, so let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't quit, if we don't give up or quit. So please don't quit. Stay in the race. Stay in the fight. And I'm going to share just a little bit more about maybe how to do that. The second thing I need you to do is focus on the road ahead. Don't look back. If we are distracted by what was or what could have been or what should have been, we, we, will, we, will, we will reap nothing but dissatisfaction and regret. If not recognized and dealt with, you know, through either forgiveness asked for or given and received if necessary, it will result in personal turmoil, defeat, and the hindrance of God's best for you and ultimately for the body of Christ that you are designed and intended to complete and complement. So number one, we're not going to give up. Number two, we're going to focus on the road ahead. And number three, if you don't hear anything else that I've said today, commit to guard the unity. Pastor Charlie spoke many times because he recognized the danger when we are not unified, when we allow division and strife to, to take root and to be, it will, it will disrupt and it will distort and it will, dis, it will, it will completely uh, destroy uh, the work that God is doing. Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 6, out of the message. In light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run. On the road, God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down the same path that goes nowhere. So in other words, he's saying, don't quit. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline. Not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourself out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences, and quick 
at mending fences. Continuing, verse 4. You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. Now granted, this is the Message Bible, but I love reading the Message Bible. I don't know that it's necessarily something we study as far as you know, just digging deep. But if you're going to read something, the Message Bible is a great Bible, a version. You are all called to travel on the same road in the same direction, to stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is, in, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated by oneness. Back there when it starts talking, you have one master and one faith. You know, there's, there's, no, there's no doubt that when you put people together like us, you're going to have different perspectives. You're going to have different ideas. You're going to have different interpretations potentially. If we can come into agreement on who is the master, what is the faith, what is the baptism, one God and Father of all who rules over all, the other stuff can be worked through. We're not letting those things divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. Because we are staying true to the the foundations of what we believe and we can achieve the goal of oneness. Okay? Why is unity important? Unity is key to our personal and our corporate success. Division and strife are the opposite of unity. And they are the enemy's greatest tool to thwart the gospel. And he's very successful at it because it plays to our human nature. It plays to our human nature to want something different, to want something our way. Those inward, those inward eyeballs that tends to selfishness, the things that, that, that needs to be you know, all this way or no way. That's how, that the devil plays to that. So how do we keep the unity? Well, first of all, we communicate. We have to commit to communicate. Now, that's kind of scary. Because basically, when, when I say that I'm willing to hear what you have to say, then I get to hear what you have to say. <laughs> It doesn't necessarily mean that you're right. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm right necessarily. But what I am saying is you have a right to be heard. You have a, you, you have a right to know that your, your, your perspective counts, that it matters. It matters to me. You're, you are important. You matter. Your perspective matters. Discussion is life. Now, in the staff meeting recently, we talked about this. When you think of the, think of the word, um, um, this is, I'm jumping off my notes, so I'm, my mind just kind of went somewhere. But when you think of the word conflict, 
it conjures up a little bit of, of a negative idea, right? I mean, conflict is button heads. Conflict is, is uh, um, two different perspectives, and, and both of them want to be heard, and one of them, both of them think they're right. But there is such a thing as healthy conflict. And healthy conflict is a discussion between two persons whose, whose, whose motivation and goal is for the good of whatever the, of the situation that, that, you're, that you were talking about. Healthy conflict is not belligerent, and it is not rude. So I will say this, if you have something to say, you know, you want to say to me, maybe we have a conflict of perspectives, figure out a way to present it in a non-belligerent, non-rude manner, and I'll hear you. I'll hear you. I'll listen to you. You know, the devil distorts distorts the truth and he lies to us. In, in a situation where people are not talking, when we are not communicating, where we are not, when we don't have a dialogue, you've got a, we have an enemy who's standing back there whispering and distorting the realities of the situation. It's never as bad as the way we think it is. Whatever it is. You've heard to say there's your truth, my truth, and then the truth. Somewhere in the middle, it's usually it's usually somewhere in the middle, and it's not nearly as bad as you as you wrote it out to be. So conversations that that shine a light on and reveal those lies are very very important, and it is one of the keys towards keeping unity, is allowing us to 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 to, to talk. The, re, the and then we also have to realize that the motives of others are not bad. The person you're talking, you know, in the situation that is not, is not necessarily bad. And if, you know, potentially if it is bad, then there needs to be something done about it. But in most cases, in a situation like we're talking about, a family, a church family coming together, I may not see eye to eye with maybe Margaret or with Tyler or... I don't know, Alan, whoever it is, Mick. I mean, we, we, we're, di- we're different. We have different personalities. We come at things from a different angle. We look at things different. But to, to, see, that, to see that other person is wrong is wrong. That is a gift that God has placed in people who want the best for Victory Center. I need to hear what Tyler says. I need to hear what Margaret says, Pastor Margaret says. Anybody else? Alan, anybody? I need to hear the different perspectives. We need to, we, we are better together. I've, I've said that before and I'll say it again and I'll continue to say it. We are better together because you see things differently than I do. I have blind spots. I can't see every angle. I don't see the way you see things. I don't understand the, the reality of a situation. Um, uh, and, but together, we are better. It's that, it's that puzzle that I was talking about that each one of us bringing our piece of the puzzle to the table and being fit together with the other ones, when they're all put together, it forms a beautiful picture. But one of those pieces that's gone is, is tragic. Um, I will say this. Mick and I do not see things 
the same way. But I can't not hear his perspective because he brings a valuable aspect or component to any situation. And the last thing is give grace for the season we're in. We need to give grace forever. But we give grace for the season we're in and we give forgiveness always. That is the key to staying in unity. So I've asked you to do three things. I've asked you to not give up. I've asked you to stay focused on what's ahead of us. And the last thing I ask you to do is guard unity. And to guard unity, we're going to to guard unity, we are going to uh, communicate and we're going to forgive. It seems like there was a third one. Pull that up here. I don't know where I put it. Communication and giving forgiveness and giving grace for the season is, is vitally important to staying in unity. So I want to thank you for the privilege that you've allowed me to stand before you today. Uh, you guys are a, a, a huge blessing. I consider each of you part of my family. And uh, I, I, I just thank you for embracing me and, and allowing me uh, to, to, fill, to fill this role. It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the Word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorycenter.org. Thank you.